Good evening, lunatics. It's Friday, October 27th. And uh, so Larry's in Chicago with the grandchildren. Um, and we have a special guest to join us tonight. This is uh, Brandon from uh, BE Logistics. I've been following him for a while on TikTok. He's got some really good content, so you should go over and check him out. We'll uh, we'll kind of get into who he is and where he came from and how he got there. Uh, but I, and I've got you know I've got you're you're on one side of the industry and I'm on the other side. And what I'm what I'm hoping to do is increase my perspective um, about the industry at large. So uh, first of all, Brandon, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. The pinch hitting uh, for Larry, and uh, so why don't you give us a little a little history lesson on who you are and how you got into the industry and where you are? Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you for it. First of all, let me be on because I've been following you guys for a long time. It's so like kind of my my assistant always teases me when we reached out, we start talking. She, I say, oh, it's a bromance because I don't like too many people, right? So I said, oh man, I'm excited. He followed me back, and I remember screenshotting that day when you followed me back, and I sent it to her. I said, look, look. And she started laughing. Now I was like, oh, man, I made it. You know what I mean? I'm on there. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm currently in Houston, Texas. I'm 40 years old, so I'm over the hill now. Where I just turned 40 in June. And so I've been in the industry since 2016. So uh, before coming into the industry, I came from a retail management background. I used to be a store manager and, uh, uh, like, you know, helping other stores get established uh, at the vitamin shop. And that's where I worked pretty much for 13 years of my life. That's what I learned. That's why I became a store manager right before I turned 23. And so I was used to always managing people, and that's what I had done. So it got to the point, I think I was probably about 29, maybe 30 years old, uh, working that job. And uh, I was always a high performer, you know, top 10 store, stuff like that. And then one year, my boss came to me and said, well, you're not getting any more raises because you're making more money than a lot of the regional managers, so you're not going to make any more money. And I said, well, shoot, if I'm 30 years old, what am I going to do to increase the amount of money I need to bring in? if I'm going to stop working at 65 or 70. So that began to have me thinking about what else is there for me to do, but I don't have a degree in college. I didn't finish. I took a few credits. And so I was always just working. I was just leveraging my skill set and sales in order to make money technically. So I didn't really know what to do after that. So I began to think about what I want to do. Couldn't think of anything. A year went by. I ended up having, I ended up tearing my knee and I had a bone disease that a lot of times people get surgery on when they are in their later teens. But I'd been working at the vitamin shop taking something since I was like 22 years old, 21 years old. And so my knee would kind of bother me, but it wouldn't hurt. So by the time I figured out that, I tore my knee. It took me about a year uh, for me to sit down and have knee surgery. Uh, once I had knee surgery, I knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. So I ended up purchasing about 18 different business books on real estate, this, you know, rich dad, poor dad, uh, infrastructure and business, accounting, stuff like that. And so I was off work for three and a half months. And so I promised myself, because it was in January 2015 when I had surgery, that if I want to have a different, you know, move to a different place in my life, I need to have proper education to make sure that where I'm going, I'm going to be qualified. So I read those 18 books over the process of those three months. I made a point to read every day from 8 to 3 o'clock, 8 in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon every single day. And then I really didn't think anything happened. And I mean, I'm the kind of person that I love my job. See here a lot of people today who think entrepreneurship is sexy. You know, I hate my job, so I'm automatically going to work for myself. I think I can figure it out. But that was not my narrative. Like, I love my job. Like, I have no tattoos. But if I had tattoos, I would have had a tattoo of the vitamin shop on my chest or something. Because I was the vitamin shop. The vitamin shop was me, right? So because of that, I went to go back to work that very first day on light duty. 
and walking in the door, I just felt different. Like, how much does this product cost? What is the return on this? I make this company X amount of dollars. They don't pay me a percentage. So now all this information that came from these books without coming to my mind, and I had worked at this job at this time 12 years, and I never considered any of these variables that now on the frontal of my mind since I spent time reading all these books. And so then I lasted there. I came back around April of 2015, and I made it pretty much almost two extra years before I finally quit. So I took that year to try to figure out what I wanted to do. Had a conversation with my dad later on that year, around Christmas time of 2015. We started talking about trucks. I talked to a friend of mine who talked about uh, trucking. I sat down with him at a Starbucks. He was doing kind of like the um, XBO type of process, 3PL. So he kind of sat down with me, told me what he was doing, how he was making money, stuff like that. And I was looking at it like, okay, I'm not really sure. You know, what were your steps? He showed me some check stuff because I'm a person, I don't believe anything. I want to see it. And so he showed me his money, showed me he was getting. I was like, okay, so you're pretty much making what I make in a week off one truck. Okay, that's crazy. How did I get into this? I started doing my research, but I couldn't figure out how I could scale that to where can I quit my job doing this? Can I do something else? You know, stuff like that. So I couldn't figure that out. And I'm having a conversation with my dad. You know, he was driving for a local company here at Elks, uh, and they were doing some things around here in Houston. And so we began to talk. He, he told me about high shot trucking. I went home, looked it up, thought about some stuff. So, okay, I think I want to do this. You know, when you get a class A CDL, otherwise we're not going to start this business. He said, yeah, I'll do that. If we're going to come together, I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, we agreed to start doing that. So I ended up getting the authority sent to me back in, it was February 2016. Um, got it in. We were still waiting on CDL. Then a cousin of mine talked to him about it. Uh, we've been uh, seeming like brothers, even over cousins. We discussed some stuff around like the summertime, March time, something like that. He ended up going to school to get his class A. And so put a, make a long story short, uh, we ran our first load in the company in August of 2016. And my dad was working for another guy. I had my truck, him, my cousin. He was working on somebody else's authority. And then a lot of crap happened, hit the fan where the guy they were working for, his authority got uh, taken away for safety issues. And so he got taken away. So we're like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna start this business. So, I mean, we ran our first load. So, the day I started my authority, I still had my full-time job. We had a dispatcher that had 15 years of experience in the industry, the guy whose business that went under, and the day we started, we had four trucks. Now, when I tell people that story, it sounds like money was coming. It was just the opposite. Mm -hmm. So, it was, I had two trucks, my dad had a truck, the other guy had a truck. Four trucks. And I thought, we got to make some money. Like, this is crazy. I'm going to have 100 trucks. And, like... Five years, starting out with four, right? Because everybody else did one. And so from starting in August <laughs> until I quit my job in May, I know I lost thousands of dollars. Now, during that process, I'll probably say go through that first year, maintenance, breakdown, problems, all these issues that was happening. I didn't know anything about maintenance. I'm not a mechanic. I knew nothing about diesel engines. Completely ignorant. So what people were doing in 2021, which is get a truck trailer and a dispatcher, and you're going to sit at home and make all this money, I was doing this in 2016, and I had to study a lot about business, but I was completely ignorant of the industry. Mm -hmm. I didn't know rate per miles, where you should go, lanes, commodities, security. I didn't know anything, right? So based on that ignorance, I was relying on this dispatcher to have this, to have this experience to just pretty much just run it, tell us what we need to do, and we're going to make all this money. Kind of like the narrative that people still believe into even to this day because of YouTube and you know, these gurus that we have talking, right? So mm -hmm. uh, 2016, 20, that happened 2016, 2017 happened. I was on Facebook groups because back then no one was helping. So I remember one day I was on a Facebook group and I asked a question in the high side group 
about rates and stuff, and they told me, hey, man, if you can make $2 a mile, you will be okay. So I immediately went back to my books, opened up the books, began to pull out my calculator, figure out what the dispatcher was making for us, and come to find out we were averaging like $1.30 a mile. Mm. So I said, okay, this is why I'm paying trucks, trailers, insurance, and then when it comes to my money, I'm making nothing, I'm losing money. And so he told me two bucks. So I had to have a conversation with my dad, so I'm going to quit my job because I don't want to blame anybody. I don't want to say he said, she said, they said. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my stuff together, put my big boy pants on. I quit my job of 13 years at this time. It was May 13, 2017. I just abruptly quit my job. And uh, I jumped both feet first. So I had trucks, a landscaping business, and I had an e-commerce business. And I just spread myself so wide because I was like, something has to work, right? Mm -hmm. So I was already used to working retail management, working 50, 60 hours a week. And with me having this business and working, I was already working 70, 80 hours a week anyway. So I said, I think I can work my way through this ignorance. That's what I thought. Right? So anyway, quit my job, did it. And I remember Monday, my assistant and I, Erica, which is still with me today, we both worked at the same place. We quit. And that Monday morning, we quit on a Saturday. Monday morning, we turned on the load board. And I didn't even know how to call on loads. So basically, we figured it out, which you should never do, right? <laughs> we figured it out because I must have spent like, I sold, a, I sold a classic truck I had. I was burning through my savings account. I remember a couple months, I remember went to maybe $20,000 of just ignorance. Every time I thought, ooh, this is what I should do, it was the wrong decision, right? So I think, thank God I had enough money saved to endure that period of time. But I probably think it took us about two or three months to understand what to do. We began to understand certain things that was going on. We finally got to that $2 mark, and we finally turned a profit. So I'll probably say I had my business almost one year before I ever even saw any positive money coming in. And it's because I had so much ignorance in so many different arenas. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my trucking business got started. And just to fast forward on that, about a year later, one of my drivers was at a truck stop, met a guy. They began to talk. I didn't even know people third-party dispatching at the time. They began to talk. He reached out to me, asked if we would dispatch him. I didn't know how to do it. We had a conversation. I asked him, what, is your, what are you paying your dispatcher now? I, I'm confused. And he said, I'm paying him 15%. And so he told me 15%. I said, we'll do it. And so that's kind of how B Logistics began to start uh, doing a little bit of things. At the, I'd probably say it was probably about November of 2017 or 2018. And we started uh, running one carrier under that umbrella of the business. And then from there to now, we run, I think we run about 45, 47 trucks. We have seven dispatchers. Uh, in total, we have a crew of 17 people in B Logistics. We have virtual assistants, back office, all, you know, sales team, people that do data entry, all kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so I still have my trucking business today. I'm actually looking and differentiating and going into the oil field uh, pretty soon, working on some stuff for the broker I am getting in connection with. I'm working on bringing on some owner operators to run that opportunity to switch it up. Uh, and then we still have V Logistics today. So, in your and all, all, we are today. all of your trucks are hot shots? Um, and that we dispatch for? Well, your, or just my personal trucks? Yeah, your personal trucks. No, my personal trucks, yeah, they were all hot shots when we first started in 2016. And actually, only currently right now, I only have one truck on right now because I'm changing the business model, like, literally completely. Mm -hmm. So I have one truck left on that one, but now I'm moving into um, just literally bringing on owner-operators only to go a completely different direction because what I've learned from having a dispatch company is I prefer to be the middleman more than actually possessing the asset mm -hmm. from the ups and downs, and I'm just so over it, to be honest. Because I've been doing it so many years, I'm just like, I, I feel like I can't automate it or I can't put it in the system to stop the, 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 the roller coaster of woes 
Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm kind of over it. So I'd rather just get a certain percentage, put somebody in it, let them worry about the maintenance, and I make a smaller amount of money, but that money be consistent. So that's yeah. where I'm at currently now. Well, you know, and and we had we had a similar kind of uh, tr- uh, transfer. Uh, when I came to Larry, he had he had three trucks, and basically had two of them sold. And um, when when we whenever the time came that we we kind of realized that th- there was something there for us to, to to do together, he just starts buying trucks, right? And um, you know he'd find a truck for ten grand. Um, we would get it DOT legal, so which you usually take five six thousand dollars. You know, tires, brakes, lights, that kind of stuff. Then I would get in it. I would shake it down. I would, you know, because I have the experience. And so I would say, what well, needs this, 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 and this? And then it was ready for a driver. And then he, by that time, he'd buy another $10,000 truck, and I'd get in it, shaking it. And that was kind of the way we did it. At the end of 2020, he calls me one day, and he goes, hey, I got an idea. And, and I'm like, okay. And he said, if you look in these, like, Facebook groups, Landstar Facebook groups. There's all these BCOs that have trucks looking for drivers. And because of the podcast, lots of times we had drivers in the pipeline, but we didn't have a truck to put them in. He said, uh, he said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to offer for these guys that have these trucks to lease their trucks in our fleet. And we'll put the drivers in. I said, Larry, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There ain't no, <laughs> there is no, there is no way. That will work. Well, it shows how much I know. Um, we brought four in at the end of 2020 and just boom, 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 boom. Uh, we fired two of them. Uh, two of them still have trucks in our fleet today. So that's what, three years, almost three years later. Um, and now the majority of our truck, well, let me think. Larry owns zero trucks right now. You know, um, and it's that same thing. Someone can make the initial investment of the truck, um, and you know they're responsible for the maintenance. Um, but we can return them a consistent profit. It, it's one truck's not enough for them to live on, right? But one truck's enough to get them to two and get them to three. We got one guy that owns five, um, and that's his. That's his golden parachute that's his way out of out of his job eventually you know is these five trucks by the way disclaimer save your email don't press send i don't want your truck okay (laughs) maybe be be very very because we are if you think we're selective about truck drivers let me tell you how selective we are about truck owners we would probably take one out of a hundred so please don't send me an email i don't want your truck um keep listening to the podcast we'll teach you how to run your truck so you can do this um, but that's one of those things that Larry's business mind taught me, you know, uh, uh, and it's that importance of having that mentor, you know, somebody has been in business for 50 years, uh, in, in so many different, he's been in automotive, he's been in dry cleaning and photography and all this stuff that, um, number one, the customer's first, you know, Correct. they are, they are absolutely first. You're last, by the way, if you want to get in business. Correct. Um, you are, you are dead last. Um, everybody makes money before you do. Okay. So just understand that. Um, but we see the failure rate so incredibly high in trucking because these truck drivers with no business experience go buy a truck and they put themselves first. 
And I was like, honey, it don't work that way. You're not first, you're last, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you have to have a, I am last mentality in order to have any sanity left. Um, so, so you had the, now you said 47, you've got, these are trucks that you're, are running under your authority or you're just dispatching. No, this, this for? The dispatch. Yeah. So like my trucking business is next level hotshot delivery services. Uh, but B logistics is our dispatch company. So mm-hmm. we're actually looking into probably converting the second quarter of next year to be a broker mm-hmm. just because of all the new regulations. And like we have shippers list on our website that we were curating and helping our clientele get shippers and stuff like that. So when they shut that down. I'm like, well, that was still was giving us the advantage, especially with the climate of what's going on right now, trucking and stuff, the capacity is low. So I'm like, hey, man, we got to do something different. And so we're looking at doing that. But, yes, yeah, the dispatching just in general where people come to us, they need to help have their own authority. We give them the strategy that works for their equipment type. And so just like you said, if 100 people come, you might pick one. We're kind of like if 100 people come, we might pick 10, mm-hmm. I would say. And it's just because I won't bring on a truck with an owner operator that I know is their detrimental to themselves to where they're here today, gone in two months. Mm-hmm. So if I can anticipate, you know, Hey man, we do their cost model calculations and they're stubborn. They don't want to learn. We try to tell them certain things. Hey man, you know, if you got a hot shot, a box truck, you pretty much need to run over the road and be in the Midwest. If you're like, no, I want to stay in Texas and all these little bad habits that you have <laughs> because you lack the knowledge that you should, you got a rental, you got a rental at Pinsky, 21 cents a mile, then the thousand dollars a week and all that. And we have a technology that shows us that the national average of box trucks is a dollar thirty. So how are you going to turn a profit when you got this and all that? And they don't listen. We just don't bring them on as a company. So I have seven dispatchers, so they're used to onboarding carriers properly. So if I already know that you cannot be taught, you're not trying to learn, you're not trying to, you know, understand anything. We just don't use you. Because like even the last this whole year, we haven't brought on any power only guys just because of the same problem. The rates are so low for what they have going on. And their truck knows $2,700 a month, insurance $2,100 a month. You cannot afford a dispatcher. So mm. then you need to stay gone. You need to be gone for three months at a time. At least try to do something. You know, and pick and drop is not going to work. You need a loadout trailer. So to try to give people strategies for their different equipment types, if the, if the owner-operator isn't up for what we know is going to work, then we don't deal with them. So right now, through the scope of our dispatchers, we have right about team 45, 47 trucks currently that we dispatch. So one of the blind spots that I kind of have, and I and I want to get your your input on this, because um, my only experience of operating a truck is leased to a carrier, leased to Landstar, and Landstar is a very very safe environment for a truck operator. You know, there's a lot yeah. of risk protection. Um, you got all kinds of parachutes that you may not even know about when you're you know, really when you're leased to any big carrier, but it's specifically at Landstar. There's a lot of protection here. You can do a lot of dumb stuff and get away with it, you know, um, like I did. Um, but having been a dispatcher for a handful of BCOs, especially in the big market, I made these guys a ton of money because I'm very, very good at selecting lanes, putting lanes together, knowing not to go there because there's, you know, it might be big money, but there's nothing coming out like Florida, right? I know I am exceptionally good at doing that. Well, it's a lot easier for me to sit here at this desk with three 27-inch monitors. Um, I'm not driving down the road. I don't have steering wheel in my hand. I can dedicate so much of my focus um, to 
to to to finding those loads and putting those putting put those tours together of three, four, five loads. Now, when I was a BCO, I was very good at doing it. I could I could pull it off. I could drive, and I could dispatch myself. And I, you know, I was dispatching two or three while I was still driving, and that's when it got to the point. It's like, okay, I have got to come off the road because I got way too much shit going on here. Correct. Okay, so so having the perspective of being inside this bubble of being leased to a carrier, being very protected, I don't have to deal with brokers. The agents deal with brokers, right? Um, I recognize, or at least I believe, that if I had my own authority and I had everything that I had to deal with with having an authority, there's no way that a dispatcher could not make me more than they would cost me, a good one, right? That I feel like that if you have your own numbers um, and you may be doing good or doing okay, but a quality dispatcher, someone that's sitting at a desk without a steering wheel in their hand, not dealing with traffic, should be able to make you more money than they cost you and also give you a little bit of that hedge of protection between yourself and the broker. All right. So I would recommend it would be my recommendation from this side of the table to say, listen, you should be looking for a good service provider that's going to get bring value to your business by taking one thing off of your plate, you know, and then and then, you know, and giving you something in return. Um, so I guess uh, I guess my question is, do you agree with that? Two, how would someone go about finding a quality dispatcher, not just some idiot sitting in her underwear, um, you know, that don't know what they're doing? Kind of like, you know, kind of like you you were talking about, you just didn't know. Um, Because I'm just thinking you, you should have someone providing that service for you. Yes, I mean, you are a thousand percent. So the way I use explain to people is this, okay? If you've been running your, your own truck, and let's say you've been self-dispatching, and you were to give a dispatch company maybe 30 days to see what they can do. Now, if you were to compare that month or how many months you were dispatching to the dispatcher, they should technically be free for you, and you will get more money, okay? So it is the entire philosophy from... Focus on one thing, which is you drive, be safe, make sure the equipment where it needs to be, all it, right? Because like you said, you have a lot of protections over there. I've heard so many things like insurance only $300 a truck and stuff like that. And out here it could be $2,000, $2,500, $2,700. So your margin of error is very slim. So you need to make sure your maintenance is done, your book is right, because DOC is coming to put you out of business if anything is not right, right? So you have enough to concern yourself with with just compliance these days. Right. So in that regard, because of that, when you get a dispatcher, this person should know your equipment. So we actually teach in person for 40 hours a week of how to be a dispatcher is one of our services because 45 percent of the population has to learn hands on. So I did a lot of research before I decided to start teaching people. And I tried to go mimic what we did in elementary through our entire life. That someone was there. You ask questions. You're wrong. You have time to study. You know, somebody helps navigate it. Because in the day of, you know, manifestation and whatever people want to say uh, these days, the secret, whatever, metaphysicists, all this kind of stuff today, at the end of the day, you have confidence in something you have competency in. So because of that, we try to train dispatchers properly 
And so the best way, and I actually wrote an ebook about this, seven questions every carrier should ask before hiring a dispatcher mm. on my website because people don't know the questions to ask. So when I'm dealing with dispatchers and people reach out to me all over the United States and people fly out here, the first question I ask them is, why do you want to be a dispatcher? And so because they've been watching the Internet, well, I get to work from home and make all this money from trucks. And I say, please don't be a dispatcher. So <laughs> for me being a carrier first, and you said earlier, the customer's first, you have a client, which is an owner-operator who comes to you. He has invested, he or she has invested $100,000 possibly, their livelihood, their family, their leaving, they're going to miss events. Like these, to me, carriers and truck drivers are superheroes without tapes, right? So if you want to see a problem, let these trucks stop moving. We'll have a real-life purpose. So because of that, if you don't, cannot have empathy for what you're about to do and serve this person, do not do this. So... The first qualifying thing I tell people to ask for is, number one, why do you want to be or why are you afraid dispatcher? If the response is not empathetic at all, that's going to be a problem. Number two, do they know about your equipment? So one of the things, like literally today, I was talking to one of my dispatchers. She's been here since June 5th, and she's phenomenal dispatching hot shots. Pretty much as an average, she's going to do five to $6,000 weekly every hot shot that she has, and she's been here since June. Okay, now, in that regard, we were going over, what well, now let's look at, let me teach you flatbed. So we're going to have three separate trainings only on flatbed with the philosophy, the lanes, where to go. So today we did our introductory. How tall is a flatbed from the ground? How wide? What are the highest regions of the United States? What's the highest truck load to, uh, you know, availability of truck, you know, supply and demand. So we were going over this as a step one. And I said, go study these things. Next week, we're going to talk. We're going to get on the load board and say, look, if you pull it up, then there's 2,000 loads. How do you know which one to pick? Mm-hmm. Which philosophy are we going to utilize to filter these, broker, the ratings? What are we going to do? So she's already been here. But when everyone starts on my business, they have to specialize with every single equipment type first. So to me, you suck until you dispatch 100 loads. That is my first thing. So when all the people come to me, in general, you have to first dispatch 100 loads so I even think about teaching you another equipment type. Right? But even on top of it, you need to know about it. So if I were to bring it in right now, she has just purchased her own hot shot truck. But you got to know the trailer, the straps, the load security chains. You need to know all this before we worry about ever getting on the load because you need to be able to make a liable decision on behalf of the carrier. So a lot of times we get carriers that don't know what they're doing, you know, especially hot shots and box trucks. The level of ignorance is out of this world <laughs> because they've been watching YouTube and don't get a class A. Don't do it. Just go out here and get a life. You used to work at Lowe's. Now, quit Lowe's, go get a box truck, go go rent it, and now, boom, you got an authority going to make all this money, right? So, they don't understand low security, safety, rules of the road, you know, any type of inclement weather because you don't want to be a professional driver. So, now you have a level of ignorance that you're not ready for. So, we have to look at pictures when the carrier send it over. Is this low security right? Is it going to fall off the trailer? I mean, we have to look at so many things to help make sure that we're in position to make sure that this carrier is on the right path. And so, like, those are the two things, but most people, most carriers are picking dispatchers based on price and not value. So mm. we do that just in the scope of dispatching, yet alone, like, you need advice. I brought on plenty of owner-operators. I help mentor. I can help coach you. We'll look at numbers. Maybe you want to purchase trailers. We have lease agreements on our website. There's over 100 items. Then we have a mechanic shop in the city of Houston. The city of Houston is used about $130 an hour for labor. Our mechanic can do 80 so starting the beginning of next year, we're going to start having the cheapest oil changes, hopefully. And we're trying to buy all this oil by the barrels and all that kind of stuff. So we want to be able to do an oil change, maybe 175 180 when in Houston it's like 275 
Mm-hmm. So little things like that compound over the process of a year when you put your truck down in each 10 hours of labor and we just save you $50 every hour. So I'm trying to figure out everything that I can possibly think of to try to bring down the cost for you to operate because I cannot control the market. I cannot control if you're safe. I cannot control if you're doing your level ones. We can give you resources, but it's still in your hands for you to buy by these expectations. And so we try to do that as much as we can to help. Lady, the other day, my assistant, a broker was cussing us out. And so we actually, today I told her, but she was cussing out trying to get a, a carrier to move a load. And he reached out to us and said, hey, man, my brake lines are messed up. I detached the trailer. I'm gonna go, I took my truck, just a little place, and put some uh, some fluid in it to see what's going on with it. So we were communicating with this broker. She went crazy. You bet. If he has time to go do that, tell him to drop off my load at 7 o'clock in the morning, F around and find out. You better drop off my load. She was going crazy. And I told her, screenshot all these things she's doing. And we're going to reach out to the FMCSA because there's this pharmacy. Hey, should we take this broker's word or yours concerning this thing? So we went through all these. Pre- she was calling, cussing, screaming, doing all this weird stuff because it was a new customer for her. And I said, there's no load worth your life. Mm-hmm. None. Right? Because this dude driving with no brakes knowing that. And you're scared because the broker's trying to, you know, say some crazy stuff to you for $800 and you run over somebody's parent. This is why these rules and regulations are here to save us, to protect you carrying 80,000 pounds. You're going to kill everybody on the freeway because this broker's telling you to do something else. So we end up, you know, telling what it is. She said she'll get the police. It was a big, long, drawn-out problem. And come to find out today, he finally got the load delivered safely, only one day off, and then she sent a new revised rate contract for $0. So my assistant sent everything over to the FMCSA. We're hoping that they step in and do something. Because, you see, if we would have listened to this, or we don't have the experience, and we would say, well, you got to go take it because the broker was threatening us, somebody could have died. Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that where they have to be very cautious of who you're putting in your business because trucking is not a game. So people play like it is, and this is how, you know, the, the interest rates are high. I'm sorry, the uh, insurance rate is astronomical. Everybody's complaining. The more people come out here that are unprepared for this, the more everything else is high risk. This is what you get. So I've been in the industry long enough, just like you have to know these rates are about normal. Yeah, the capacity is a little low. I understand that. But who told you to get a $100,000 truck? So your cost to operate is astronomical. That's something we just added like a month ago to the website is a cost per mile calculator. And at the very bottom, we added a couple of things I've never seen anybody else have. And at the very bottom, it has a level for your profitability. So when you type in all this information to get to the very bottom and you see you're not going to make a profit, I laid it out so plainly and it's free. Mm-hmm. You go to the website, type in all your information accurately, and it's funny because we had it on the website maybe a month, and I probably had maybe 30, 40 submissions, and every submission, people are filling it out wrong because they're not adding every single detail, the permits, the ELD, your maintenance, like, you know, escrow. They're not adding anything together. They're just trying to figure out, I can make all this money. So mm-hmm. it's like, you cannot help ignorance sometimes. So if you want to <laughs> bang your head against the wall, let me tell you, they'll, they'll give you a truck trailer and authority, and then boom, they'll come get it six months later. They'll come take back everything they gave you, and you're going to be upside down in your financial portfolio for years. Mm-hmm. So, yes. <clears throat> well, And I don't know where we got the, you know, the number, but the 95% of first-time owner-operators fail. You know? and. Yes. <laughs> And that's across all, you know, you got your own numbers, you run under somebody else's numbers. Um, because driving the truck is like 10% of running a business, you know. Um, I got a bunch of those uh, Gerber, Michael Gerber books, uh, the E-Myth. Uh, you talked about that mm-hmm. on your live the other day. 
and, yeah. and remind me what those are the there's the the producer, the manager, the entrepreneur. Is there one more? Oh yeah, he, yeah. He has it as technician, yeah. manager, and entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because you can do a thing does not mean you can be in business and survive doing Correct. that thing. You know, you, you have to, uh, and it's, it's, it's hilarious to me in a way. Um, are, do you know who Kevin Rutherford is? Uh, -uh. so Kevin Rutherford's kind of like the Dave Ramsey of the trucking business. Um, okay. he hit radio show on Sirius XM. Uh, that's when Larry first bought his truck. Uh, he, he drove midnights and that's when Kevin was on. And Kevin used to have a thing called a CMC, Certified Master Contractor Seminar, he would do once a year. So Larry went to that, got to be friends, went for eight or ten years in a row. And, and really what it was, was it was it was one percenters that could, number one, could afford to take a week off and spend however many thousand dollars it was to pay to go to this thing. Um, and so it was all the top one percent from Landstar, top one percent from Mercer, and then top one percent from independent owner-operators. And what they did was they got together and they pooled their experience and their knowledge, and they were testing products and testing tires and testing oils and all these different things because everybody and their brother wanted Kevin to uh, to hawk their stuff, you know. And so you know, and so you would have this pool of I don't know, hundred or however many, hundred fifty or three hundred owner operators that would scientifically test different oils and tires and shocks and all this different stuff. And they figured out some things that worked and things that didn't. And so here we're taking all of these years and years and years of, of, of experience in the kind of oil we run. And we run the, the OPS uh, purifi oil purification system and we run certain tires and all of these things that we do that make those little differences that you were talking about. Right. And, uh, you know, I had this TikTok that went to a million views because, and of course, I did it on purpose. Um, a guy we know bought a truck for three thousand dollars, two thousand one Freightliner. It's got a blown up motor. I had looked at the truck. I, I knew I knew of the truck. I had seen it, and I walked around it. I'm like, man, this this truck's got pretty good bones. You know, it just needs motor. And so he ends up buying it for three thousand dollars. So I made a TikTok about it. I'm like, hey, we've got this truck for $3,000. Well, that stirred up the hornet's nest. And there was one common theme in the in the comment section was, man, the tires are worth $3,000. So I made a TikTok. I drove by there, and I nailed down by the tire. I'm like, oh, you're talking about these tires? I'll, I'm going to throw these tires into garbage because they're terrible, right? Yeah. And, dude, I mean, you thought I was going to, you know, do something to somebody's mama. Um, yes. Because those tires, if I leave those tires on that truck, even though they look good, they could cause that truck to burn an additional $10,000 a year in fuel. Yes. And the response to that is, is it's telling, it's sad, it's funny. Um, but all of these little things that allow us to be profitable right now when our cost per mile is somewhere around a dollar fifty. Um, so now our average loaded rate per mile for twenty twenty three is three dollars and thirty cents, with twenty percent deadhead. Um, I, we're having a great twenty twenty three, but I see, 
I see the people in the industry are like, oh, these rates are terrible and we can't survive. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're the problem. I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah, the market's challenging. There's too many trucks and not enough loads, right? Which drives down rates. Um, but the, the, the lack of willingness to accept that maybe I need a better understanding. Maybe I'm not fully capable of understanding or, or maybe I need to change my attitude or my perspective. And you can't get them to do it. So what's the going rate for a dispatcher? Like 5% or something? Uh, it depends on the equipment type that they specialize in, right? So right now you would say it'll be about 5 to 7%. Mm-hmm. I would say for semi-trucks, that'll be all semis. And then usually people charge maybe an extra percentage or so for power only. And then you have the market for hot shots and box trucks. You're looking anywhere between 7 to maybe 10%, mm-hmm. right? I would say that across the board because it's, way more work by far. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when people think about going to the low board and they're thinking about dispatching and all that kind of stuff like that, whatever, right? And I tell you, you got to get more because it's going to take more work. So if I say I would look up Houston, Texas in the middle of the day, say 9 o'clock in the morning and look up a 48-foot flatbed, you know, Houston, Texas, I might see 2,200 loads. Now I got to figure, I got to shift through them and see what's going on, right? Do the exact same thing with a hot shot. 40-foot hot shot, 15,000 pounds, Pull up the load board, it might be 80 loads. When I go back and take off all the partials, there may, there may not be one load paying a dollar 80 or better. So now we got to sit at the computer and just wait. Mm-hmm. So we literally are sitting at the computer for 10 to 11 hours straight from 7 o'clock in the morning, roughly to about 5, maybe 5.30, just waiting on loads to pop up for hot shots and box trucks. So because of that, you literally have to be like glued to the TV because if a, to the screen, if a load pops up paying, say, a dollar 80 and better currently, it's literally on the low board less than 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. So because of that, that's why like a lot of people don't dispatch hot shots and box trucks. People struggle getting good dispatchers, stuff like that. But then the big truck, you know, when 2020, 2021, everybody wanted to be a dispatcher. So you have a lot of these uh, gurus went out here and did all this on the internet. So now a lot of people from other countries are doing it. So they started bringing uh, the rate down. Cause I remember, you know, years ago, even people that were, like when we first started, we were dispatching hot shots for 15%. If you dispatch a big truck, it was eight to ten, and now the you know the competition is showing up. So now the rates in the trash. So we have some people that you know dispatch overseas. We've used a couple companies before that was overseas to try to put them on our umbrella, but they were just terrible at what they did. Mm-hmm. So we ended up letting them go. So I'm in the process of training people myself currently, but they they would do big trucks for three percent, right? And so it's kind of like for that person who thinks they know mm-hmm. uh, everything, but they don't want to do. They don't feel like carrier package. They want to they want to talk to the broker so they can hire somebody that's from overseas. But if you need any guidance, help, you know, somebody who's studying the market, I haven't found one one of these guys yet that's qualified. So mm-hmm. like I said, I'm in the process of training a couple of myself currently, and they're gonna take the same process I do with my dispatchers here in America, where for you even get on the low board, it might be at least 40 to 80 hours of us just going over things, and then you gotta send us loads if I say, okay, they're good, and we do this whole process of time. Because with the margin being so slim, every load needs to make sense. Like you were saying about going to a place and coming back out, you can't go for $3 a mile and come out for a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's an average of $2, right? So it's like you have to go and come almost for the exact same rate because it needs to make sense based on the law of averages. You can't make 7000 one week, 3 next week, 6 next week, 2500 8 Like, And that's what people are doing. 
because they're just chasing lows mm-hmm. without having a methodology to the madness. Yeah. We, we kind of switched to a, a daily rate. Uh, right when I, when I first came to Larry, um, we, we went for, okay, let's just do a daily rate, right? There's only so many miles you can drive in a day. And so we went, all right, it started out was $1,250. $1,250 a day, gross, before land starts cut, for those of you that are so tore up about that. $1,250 <laughs> a day. If we did five loads a week, you know, it was like $6,250, right? Well, at $6,250, the fuel got paid, the drivers got paid, the maintenance was covered, and, and we made a profit. And I came in March of 18, and, and the market was really hot. Well, hell, I, I was doing fifteen, eighteen hundred $1,800 a day. You know, yep. it was insane. And as a company driver driving for Larry, getting paid 25% of Latin Hall and Asa Sorrels, I made $90,000 in eight months as a company driver. I mean, I was just, yep. of course, I was broke and desperate um, and motivated, you know. So, I yep. mean, I was, I was picking them up and putting them down. Then as the market increased 2020, 21, 22, we were at $2,000 a day. You know, that was our minimum. That was easy. We were at eight and $10,000 weeks. Um, And we've lowered that now to 1450. And our goal is 8,000 a week. Uh, And I think Larry said we're at, I can't remember, 92%, 91% of our goal for the year for the trucks that we have on the road. Um. But what that does, um, and I saw this, I don't know if you're familiar with this bunch, the National Owner Operator Association. Have you heard of these guys? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're precious. Um, Well, I I got into this Facebook group, and God, it's precious. Um, But there was a guy had made a post, and he had a picture of a flat tire. And he said, uh, I booked this $5 a mile load. It was 115 miles loaded. But I ran over a bolt in the customer's parking lot and flattened my tire. And now I'm hauling this load for free. And that's where, uh, that's a perfect example of why I don't get wound up in, do- in rate per mile. Because this dude worked an entire day for $550. Whereas I'm going to work an entire day and make at least... 13, 1400, you know, and I'm going to do that five times, you know, during the week or, or, or three times, you know, um, it's, it's, oh man, I'm, I'm getting three fifty a mile. Yeah. And you're going 12 miles. You didn't make any money. You You know, you've got to look at your revenue stream, um, and, and know how much revenue your business has to, has to make because, uh, and we've proven that if you, um, and now this is leased to a carrier, um, that if you have a paid-for truck, no trailer, leased to a carrier, working full-time, now that's a concept some of y'all can't handle. You buy a truck and think you're going to work 27 weeks out of the year. Working full-time, you should net one hundred to $200,000 a year as an owner-operator. And you best do that for four or five years as a new business, you know, get off your ass and get to work Correct. and go and go make you, you know, close to a million and then take your foot off the gas. But I tell you, truck drivers, man, they're like, I'm going to buy my own truck and I'm going to work two days a week. I'm like, yes. no, it's like having a baby. 
You don't feed it, it'll die. You know, you right. got you got to get out there and work. And I, and we were talking about this before we went live. It, it amazes me and it and it frustrates me that people will look at someone, and it could be you as an experienced uh, carrier, dispatcher, business owner. It could be us running trucks. It could be. I saw this girl. I love this girl. I follow on uh, TikTok. She's an electrician, a very, very talented electrician. She's got like a million followers. All right, Lexi something, Lexi Abreu. Anyway, masterful electrician, and she works for some contracting outfit. And so they con- they sent her out to this house to change a two hundred amp panel. And she's like, "Hell, I can do that in my sleep." And she shows up. And the customer, another female, says, well, is, any, is anybody else coming? And she's like, nope, it's just me. And she's like, well, I'd really feel comfortable if they sent somebody else. Because she automatically assumed, because this master electrician was a girl, that she wasn't capable of changing out that 200-out panel. You know, right. and I don't know. I might have maybe set her house on fire with her in it. Um, <laughs> I mean, what a bitch, you know? But yeah. – but for whatever reason, this this society we do that we look at people who are are have a lot of experience, and instead of looking at what they're doing and saying, "Hmm, I wonder how or why they're doing it," y'all are dumb. You must be rookies. You don't know what the hell you're doing. And I'm like, buddy, I have forgotten more about the drugging industry than you probably ever hoped to learn. You know, but I guess that's just the internet. Uh, somebody on t- you on YouTube is asking. Real quick. Uh, go ahead. Okay. No, I was gonna say. So like that's one of the things. So like we have a philosophy when I do mentorship or you know dispatchers or carriers whatever one right. And the thing about it is the three S's: start, sustain, scale. So it does not matter that you started a business. You can pay another person to do your numbers, turn everything on, whatever, get you compliant, whatever. And that took nothing from yourself. The sustain is what are you gonna do every day for the next one to five years to now to see if this is going to maintain and make it, yet alone scale it to where you can hire people. So we live in a culture that, that is always so celebratory. When you start something, no one understands if you're doing some 7, 8, 10, 12 years, you are an expert. So you are the person that's valid, not the person that started it, yet alone somebody who hires. Like when you think of how many people cannot even hire a person because they have all their insecurities. What are they wrecking? What is this? What is that? That's why you got to put get more insurance than what the truck costs mm-hmm. because it can happen to you. It can be sitting in the parking lot and blow up randomly. So you can't be so scared to know and grow it, but that's what I'm saying. That's sustainability. So I go over a lot of times with Hotside, especially for this. You go, the reason why people like Hotside and Bostro is that, you know, the barrier to entry is very low, which I understand that you can go and finance a Ram 3,500, no money down and just pick it and start running $67,000 truck without putting zero down. If your credit is good, right? So now, because they can do that, now you got this truck note for six years, and you don't know how you're gonna make money in six months. That makes no sense. Mm-mm. I said so. People would rather spend get a get get in debt seventy thousand dollars, but you won't pay a person seven hundred to learn what to do for six years to be able to at least pay it off. So mm. this day and age we have is crazy, man. But yeah, go ahead. I just have to say that because yeah, you know that's a, uh, just, it. Baff- it baffles me too. Yeah. Somebody out, Jermaine on YouTube says, "What happened to the comment section?" I, I'm guessing you're meaning just not very active. Um, I, I think maybe just Larry drives people uh, crazy and makes them <laughs> makes them comment. Maybe that's it. 
Uh, Facebook, uh, Jeffrey Leon, around what RPM and speed do you run your trucks at? I have a classic with a 12.7 Detroit, 3.70 rears, and I struggle to get over five miles a gallon, and I'm looking to get at least six. Well, Jeffrey, I don't have good news for you, my friend. You're driving a brick uh, that is not aerodynamic. Um, you have terrible gears. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume you have terrible tires. Um, with 370s, uh, I'm assuming, God, I hope you don't have a Super 10, uh, but if you've got an overdrive transmission with 370 rears, you're going to have to run that truck 57 miles an hour to get it in the sweet spot for a Detroit. Uh, but if you've got terrible tires on there, uh, you know, double coin or some Chinese junk, um, or even bad Michelins, you know, um, you're, you're going to, you're going, you're not going to get that truck. Now we had an Oh one classic 12, seven, three seventy threes with a 13 and the best fuel mileage driver we've ever had. And he had that truck averaging over seven miles per gallon. Um, so it's possible um, but you know, he drove super slow. That truck had a brand new engine. It also had Pittsburgh power, everything. It had the non-waste gated turbo. Um, it was tuned. Um, so the, the main thing I would tell you to do is buy a scan gauge is 200 bucks. Uh, and you need to train your foot. Your foot is going to be your first thing. If you've got terrible tires, you're going to have to go get you some tires. Um, driving style tires, uh, fleet air filters would help. Uh, if you run, if you get an OPS on it, run thin oil, you might be able to get it to six and a half to 6.8. Uh, but it's a classic, you know, you're just, you're just driving a, a brick. Um, oh, and let me address, I don't remember if I said, so we figured out the audio thing from last week. Um, it, people were talking about this high pitched noise and I couldn't hear it. You know, I'm listening to it. People are screenshotting and recording. And, and so we finally get done with the show and I've got this, um, I've got this screen recording. I walk into my son's bedroom and I'm like, do you hear it? And he was like, yeah, it's your ring light. He's like, it's been like that for weeks. I'm like, are you serious? And so my sons could hear it. My daughter couldn't hear it. My wife couldn't hear it. And I couldn't hear it. So some of y'all could hear it and some of y'all couldn't. Um, so, but we, yeah, we have that fixed. Thank God. Um, hey, Chief, I want to tell you real quick, for like the last maybe minute and a half, your screen is very distorted. Like it's very blurry all of a sudden. Okay, uh, that might just be on your end. Um, so oh, okay. I'm watching my all of my, oh, all, okay. my all of my stuff is I'm hardwired to. I got rid of the Wi-Fi, so. Oh, okay, um, good. Okay, good. I'll make sure. <clears throat> uh, Brad says the uh, the BE CPM calculator looks like a great tool. Thanks for sharing and joining the show tonight, Brandon. Um. Thank you so. Much. so is uh, are I don't want to get too I don't want to get too far off in the rabbit hole here, but are, are you at all familiar with blockchain technology? Yes, a little bit. You know, my cousin uh, that we do a lot of uh, like where our courses and avatars and uh, like crypto and something like that. He's really big in that, so we have conversations about that. Often. Okay, so I believe wholeheartedly that over the next three to five years, I believe that there's going to be a, a massive, massive, massive correction to how value is exchanged, of how information 
is exchanged, how freight is moved. And I believe that it's going to be people like us, Blue Ribbon and, and, and B Logistics, um, that have that customer-focused attitude that will be the first ones to reap the benefits. Let me give you an example. All right, let's take uh, double brokering and or like these scammers that will get a hold of your number and start booking loads in your name. Blockchain can 100% put an end to that within, with, with encryption and security protocols um, to where uh, whenever we get there, whenever there's a, tr- a, t- a TMS that runs on blockchain, if you tender a load and that runs on the blockchain, it is end-to-end encrypted. It is, it is absolutely un... Uh, uh, you can't mess with it. Right, it's um, we're and that's where we're going. Everything is. Uh, it's almost like that theory of the universe of the expansion and then the contraction. You know, Correct. we in in the in the modernization of our society over time, we had to have very large intermediaries who would invest in running electric wires who would invest in running cable wires and phone lines and distribution networks and computer systems and all of these things. We had to have those intermediaries. They had the capital to invest. And of course they had to make a return on their investment. Um, But now we're in a position where everything is going to begin to shrink, I believe. And everything is going to get very, very, very small as things, uh, as it becomes uh, uh, it, 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 the ability for for humans to exchange information, to exchange value, to trade goods and services becomes a one-to-one without an intermediary. So um, having that perspective, when people look at current problems, I identify and go, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was 100%, that's a problem. Double brokering. It's a problem. Right, it's 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 taking too much value from the between the customer and the truck. There's too much value being expended on someone, somebody, and there's not necessary. Right, um, I believe that the closer you get a truck to the customer, the better off they both are. Now, right. I'm not mad at brokers, uh, and for all you truck drivers that say we don't need brokers, that's 100 true. You don't need brokers. You can go knock on doors. You can make cold calls. You can you can go and get your own customers. But guess who does need the brokers? The customers, okay? They are not going to put people on payroll. They are not going to pay their vacations. They're not going to pay their sick time. They're not going to pay their health benefits. When, for a percentage of the check that they're already writing, someone else can do all of that, okay? So this idea, you we're going to get rid of brokers. Brokers provide a very valuable service to the customer, okay? I know that hurts y'all's feelings. I mean, I know y'all are going to just crawl up in bed (laughs) and weep and cry yourself to sleep that I say that brokers are valuable, but they are, okay? Now, you can be valuable too. You can be valuable, but it's going to take you – Treating the broker, all right, everybody get your steel-toed boots on. 
treating the broker as your customer because they have a customer. And if the two of you will work together, you can provide even better value to that customer if you'll take the time to build the relationships. But if you have this adversar- adversarial, all the brokers are terrible and they're crooks and liars and thieves and they're ripping me off, oh, just sell the truck. Just sell the truck. All right, I open the door. You walk through it. No, I mean, I, I'm 100%. Like, uh, I see a lot of times in groups, because like I said, we've been out here long enough to see it's a constant. I don't care when rates were good, they were bad. They still complain about brokers and blah, 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 whatever, right? And so I try to talk to people a lot of times about group economics, right? Like, okay, so if you hate the brokers, why don't you and all the friends that you talk to in these groups and all, why don't you make one large trucking company and bring all of your 30 trucks together and you have a sales team? Y'all knock on doors all day long, eight to five every day, and get your own customers. But see, that's when it falls on deaf ears. So they're complaining about a situation, but they don't want to come up with the solution, right? So because of that, okay, that's fine. It says these people exist, now what are you doing? So one of the top questions that we ask, especially not only when we do dispatch or training, but also when I talk to, to the owner operator sometimes, is who is the customer? And everyone says the shipper. And I said, okay, who's paying you? They say the broker. I said, exactly. So in this current transaction you're in, the broker is setting the tone. So they say, get to this time, call, check in, accept tracking, and you just refuse. Don't be mad when you can't get a dedicated lane. They're not paying me enough. You have no reputation. You know, all of these free guards. And so you're basically shooting yourself in the foot, but you're not, like you're saying, going knocking on doors. And so that's the thing. Whatever situation is being in entrepreneurship, since in this day and age, entrepreneurship is sexual, right? Instead of it being a burden, okay, this is not a blessing. It is a burden. <laughs> and so because of that, anything you don't like, you have the ability to adapt and change. But people mm-hmm. don't want that. They just want to cry, rage against the machine, and then somebody's <laughs> going to bail them out. And so the reality, I'll listen to it today, is no one is coming to save you, right? Right. If you want somebody to save you, you need to stay in corporate America, nine to five. Don't think in your mind about being a contractor, a full-time entrepreneur, having a company. Don't think about that because no one's coming to save you, and the game is rigged. So when you understand the game is rigged, then you start a business to solve problems. Solve problems. If you listen to that, solve problems. And no one wants problems. They want to make all this money, get, get everything done for them without understanding. You come here to solve problems. So daily, your life is supposed to be a struggle. That's what it is. So I love the struggle, right? Because even though I look at it like this, everyone is the same. Me, you, whoever, these people are the same. But when you quit and you give up and you cry, we are not the same. So I like knowing that it's almost like a high in the sense to know that that when it gets hard, we adapt, we adjust, and we move forward. So you are 100% correct. Because I'm telling you, we might become brokers. So I will be the person getting cussed out pretty soon because we might convert our business to doing it, and I'm here for all the smoke. I love rebuttals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, I would would rather be whipped with a cat of nine tails than to make a sales call. Like I, I cannot think of another level of hell for me as an individual. Um, I love the fact that there are people that will go make those sales calls on my behalf because I would, I'd rather take an ass whipping than, Mm -hmm. than to cold call and, and, and all that. I'm just not made for that. Now I'm made for, you know, wrenching on trucks and, 
and and booking loads and and putting that kind of stuff together, I know where my value is, right? Correct. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm terrible at. Um, Correct. And 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 until you understand, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if it's a good example, but my whole family is musicians, right? My parents and grandparents and 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 I am I'm a naturally talented musician, right? I can play just about anything. To the to the to the average person, I could sit down with an instrument and they'll go, Oh man, this guy's awesome. But to a real musician, they'd be like, No, he's not, right? <laughs> I still enjoy it. I still have fun doing it. I love to play in a band when I whenever I get the opportunity. But I understand what my limitations are. I understand what I'm really, really good at. I understand what I'm mediocre at. And, you know, and, and I've, I've become quite the mechanic here over the last few months because our star mechanic had some health problems and it's really hard to find somebody competent to work on a truck. And I went, well, hell, I guess I'm going to have to figure it out, you know? And, and I've, and I've just, I've had, it's like, it was a necessity that I had to, I had to stop saying, "Well, man, I can't do it." To going, I don't have a choice. I've got to figure this out. And if you're going to be an owner operator, keyword operator, you're going to have to put the time in to understanding the systems of this vehicle that you're you're now operating. Because unfortunately, you may walk into a shop. And they don't know what they're talking about. And you have to go, no, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't think that's right. You also have to be willing to say, okay, well, get away from it, and I'll take it somewhere else. But if, you, if you're in a position where you feel weakened or, or that, that you have to uh, uh, cede that authority to someone else because they are supposed to know more than you, Oh, well, the, you know, the mechanic said we had to do this. Dude, the number of times that I have said, no, 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 we're not doing that. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. We're going to do this. Well, who are you? I'm the motherfucker paying the bill. That's who I am. Who's paying the bill? Let me, let me, show, let me show you what's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not that there's not an opportunity in trucking. It's not that there's not an opportunity in this market. There's always an opportunity, but are you willing to do what it takes to be able to survive in whatever market it is? Um, and, and that's sometimes having to tell somebody, and we, we've had a few where, um, you'll love this. So we got a mentoring submission last week or week before for a guy just to, you know, we'll dispatch for him. Larry will teach him how to do books and all this stuff. Well, for whatever reason, truck drivers in 2023 don't know anything about time zones. And almost every single time that we schedule, that they schedule an interview on our website, we start the meeting and they're not there. So I call this guy, spend 15 minutes. I'm like, Hey, are you coming to this meeting that you scheduled? Oh yeah, man. I'm, I'm a central time. Okay. And I just hung up. I'm like, Zoom invites in your email. And I just hung up. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, it was just that day. And this this poor guy gets on the Zoom meeting. And for about 15 minutes, I just ripped him a new one. 
I just, I just absolutely tore the hide off. I said, I'm not putting up with truck driver stuff and truck driver this and truck driver that. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do, and here's how it's going to go. And he stayed through that. Um, but sometimes you got to hit him in the mouth a little bit yeah. and be like, dude, if, if, if don't, please don't buy a truck right now. Please don't do what you're getting ready to do because if you do it wrong, this industry will destroy you, your finances, your relationships. It will absolutely destroy your life if you do it wrong. And it's like playing with dynamite. So don't do that. And and I thought I thought I picked that up. That you are you kind of in that position too, where you have to look at people and say, "Hey, hey, no, don't, no, don't, please don't do this right now." Man, I'm telling you, like if I could count, right? How many times I refuse to take people's money? It'll be ridiculous, right? <laughs> so when I say, "Hey, in this batching we've known since 2018," I have my trucking business 2016. I never want a mentor owner operator. Like usually, if somebody got like. Hey, Brandon, please do this for me. Hey, man, do this, right? Because most of the time when somebody says, hey, I want to do this, I said, let's do a discovery call. They say, hey, I see the pricing. I'm going to pay you. I asked them a couple questions. I said, I refuse, right? Because you are going to go and put yourself in a bad situation, and you're going to turn around and look at me. And this is actually one of the reasons why we only dispatch, and we don't do compliance and all this other stuff, right? Because I don't want to put in your mind that you should start a trucking business. I don't. So my thing is, when we're a dispatch company, this is something you've already thought about yourself, and then you need freight, and we can do that. But I don't want to tell you to do this, right? Because I understand how detrimentally hard it is, how many people fail, how many people <laughs> go bottom up so quick because they have no clue to understand profit margin, right? Mm-hmm. It's fake money if you don't know where your margin is. It's monopoly money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You must know this first. You know, it's a lot of difference between fixed and variable costs and put it together and figure out and know each other. If you do not even do that, it's going to be problematic because, yes, it's coming real fast from the factory company every 24 to 48 hours, and it's going real slow out of the pump. So I say it like this. Everyone is profitable until your transmission goes out. <laughs> and you, you, if you were 1,200 miles from now, transmission goes out, the tow bill is $3,000. Then they say it's going to take three weeks. Then you catch a flight that same day. Seven, eight hundred dollars going home. Then you sit down and you don't make another dollar because you haven't figured out any other way to make money besides driving this truck. And then you sit around for three or four weeks and COVID has been over and they still don't have parts anywhere. I don't know how this is possible. They don't have parts, but they keep making new trucks. I cannot understand for the life of me how that makes any sense. Right. Okay. So you fly home, you sit on your bus for four to five weeks because they can't find any parts. You got to fly back to your truck to get in your truck, turn it on, <laughs> drive 50 miles, and it does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you got to get towed back again, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, one day could cost you $25,000, possibly. This is not a game. So, when people are not talking about that on the Internet because they cannot sell their $9.99 book, mm-hmm. $10 ebook, right? Mm-hmm. They ain't going to tell you that they want to sell 100 books every week. And so, people need to wise up and think. This person is telling me this for what reason, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. People on the internet for what reason, right? So, I mean, to me, it's crazy. And yes, that is my, I, I'm a digression. I, I've, I think I've told this on the podcast before, but I'm going to tell it again so you can hear it. <clears throat> I had a guy, a, a Landstar BC I was dispatching for, 
This was the end of uh, 22. Um, he called me on a uh, Monday morning. Uh, he said, hey, my clutch went out this morning at like 4 a.m. He had already been towed to the Freightliner dealer in Knoxville. And so <clears throat> I worked, got the load repowered, got all that taken care of. And um, he called me in the afternoon and he said, well, they told me uh, that they don't have a clutch. Um, they don't know when they're going to get one. And he sent me a, a, a copy of the, the work order and it said, you know, no, no available date on the clutch. And so I called a guy, and I said, hey, uh, here's the VIN number. Tell me about this clutch that's supposedly unavailable. And he said, well, there's 350 of them in the PDC, and there's, you know, and here's the, here's the Freightliner number, here's the Alliance number, and here's the aftermarket number, and here's the quantities that they have in all the distribution centers for Freightliner. I thought, well, that's weird. These people said they can't get one, right? <laughs> so I made four phone calls. The first guy didn't answer. The second guy, maybe it was three. Anyway, the second guy answered. He said, but I'm covered up. Call this guy. So it was three phone calls. He said, call this guy. He's mobile, uh, but he'll do a clutch. I said, so I called the guy. And I said, hey, can you do a clutch? And I said, by the way, here's the part numbers for the three clutches and where they are in the, in the distribution network. And he said, okay. He said, let me call and see if I can rent a shop bay. And if I can, I'll call you back. So he gets that done. He calls me back. He said, now it's Tuesday. Truck broke down Monday morning. It's now Tuesday. And I said, uh, and he calls me back. He goes, hey, I got a, uh, a shop. He goes, we're going to tow it. It's 400 bucks. We're going to tow it over to this shop. Would you believe that he walked into that dealership and bought that clutch off of their shelf that they said they couldn't get for however many weeks? And Friday morning, the truck had a clutch in it and was rolling down the road. From Monday morning to Friday morning, all because I made three phone calls. Well, four if you include. Yeah, it was four if you include the call, the call I found to, to get the parts. I made four phone calls, and those four phone calls not only saved him four thousand dollars on the price of the clutch. It also saved him how much revenue for not being down for another two or three weeks because the dealership for some reason, couldn't walk into their parts room and find a damn clutch and put it in the truck. The Having someone in your corner that has been down these roads before has immeasurable value, you know? Um, and so you have, to, uh, you have to value and respect someone's experience that has, I mean, Listen, it terrifies me, even as good as I am at all the stuff that I do. The idea of us having our own numbers and just having to do straight with brokers and not do it through land. I, I, like, it makes me shake. But people will, well, hell, I'm going to get my own numbers and I'm, gonna, and I'm going, no, God, no, please don't. You know, and, and for the 1% that actually makes it, y'all have my absolute respect. Um. For the ones that make it, I mean, because y'all are absolutely doing something that's damn near impossible. Congratulations to you. But if you hear the sound of my voice and you're considering being an owner-operator, please, number one, pay cash for the truck, no debt, and lease to a carrier for at least a year. Learn how to do your, your FedHut 2290. Learn how to work through maintenance. 
Learn how to do that in the safety environment of a carrier. And if, God, if you want to go get your own numbers, well, sweetheart, go get them, okay? But please don't put the pew-pew in your mouth, you know, with it cocked. And, you know, it's just, it's nonsense. It's crazy. And they won't listen. That's right. You're right. Uh, let me hit a couple questions here. Uh, let's see. Rocky answered him. Uh, oh, Matthew, I have to redo the front main seal on my 12.7 because the professional couldn't get it. Uh, <laughs> cut the week short and headed home because I was losing a gallon every 100 miles. I have not been happy. Um, not for one. I run the Northeast, and everybody up here thinks I'm a dumbass for running recaps on my singles. Um well, here, so here, the real thing about tires, and, and Rocky's uh, answered this in the comments, but I'll do it for the people on TikTok can't see it. Underinflation kills tires, okay? When you're driving down the road and you see that gator laying in the road, I promise you that gator came from low tire pressure, not from bad construction. Um, recaps get a bad name um, because you see them, right? Uh, but again, if you're going to operate a truck, you need to go spend the 400 bucks on a tire pressure monitoring system um, so that you know that your tires are properly inflated. If they're not properly inflated, they're going to wear out faster, they're going to cost you money, they're costing money in fuel, and they're going to blow out. So underinflation is what kills tires. And there's no easier way for less than the cost of one tire, you can have a, a monitoring system that will, and hell, it'll do 18 tires, you know, if you have your own trailer. Uh, you run duals, singles, whatever. Um, but tires, I mean, my gosh, it's $8,000 for us at our cost to put a set of tires on could be 10 or 12. If you're buying them in retail, um, guys protect that investment, get you a tire pressure monitoring system, uh, run crossfires or something. If you're going to run duels, um, take care of those tires and make them last. Um, and, and, and obviously go get, go, so go see Rocky or Jim Fowler or, uh, um, Chad Hone, uh, MD alignment, and go get you a proper alignment so your tires. Uh, I mean, Rocky has seen people destroy a set of steer tires in two months from a bad alignment. You know, my gosh, those tires are $450, $500 a piece, you know. Um, yeah. And and you'll you'll love this. Um, you know, Landstar will, will give contractor loans. You know, if you're in a pickle, you can get a loan and they'll take it out. Rocky was telling me that that he's had BCOs have to go to Landstar to get three hundred and fifty dollars to pay for his alignment because they ain't got three hundred fifty dollars. I, I mean, you you ain't got three hundred fifty dollars to pay for an alignment. You got to go borrow that from a carrier. <sighs> wow. <laughs> um, somebody Mississippi Skeeter Eater on TikTok. How much can I make at Landstar weekly being new? Um, well, if you work hard, um, and you know, and you network and you trip plan, I, I would think you should be able to do between six and $8,000 gross. You know, that's going to turn into four or $5,000 a week to the truck. Um, but you know, you're going it, to, it's, it's a, it's an uphill battle. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with Landstar. Okay. It's absolutely nothing to do with lane starts. It has you, your ability to uh, plan the loads, deliver the loads, communicate with the agents. Um, th that's that, that you are the key. If you if you succeed at lane starts, your fault. And if you fail at lane starts, also your fault. Lane start just gives you the 
they just give you the keys. You know, hey, here, here's a login to the load board. We wish you the best of luck. Um, and, and if you do good, great. And if you don't, well, too bad, you know. Um, and that's, that's the, that, you know, the thing about freedom, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for freedom. Um, but, uh, you know, freedom from what is a lot of times a question that we have to ask. And people, I will say, what do you want to be an owner operator? I want freedom from what, you know, to what do you want freedom to do something? Or do you want freedom from something? Cause if you want freedom from something, you don't need to buy a truck. That's for damn sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you'll, uh, you know, it, it. again, we talked about it earlier in the show. You are last. You're the last yeah. one to get paid, you know. In our yeah. case at Blue Ribbon, the only person that can't lose money at Blue Ribbon is the driver. The truck yeah. owner can lose money. Larry can lose money. Um, but you, But the driver gets paid regardless, you know. So... Um, but you, you know, it's just, it's all about, it's all about perspective. Uh, let me see more comment. Uh, what T, what tire pressure model do you recommend? It's called TST truck, truck safety technology. So anyway, uh, technorv.com has them. Um, I think they're like 450 bucks with, with eight or 10 sensors, whatever it is. Technorv.com. That's where we buy them from. Uh, let's see any more comments. The, 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 the comment section has been a little quiet tonight. Uh, any news on Bennett express? I don't know if there's any news to have them. I've never heard of Bennett express. Um, I have a paid-off Volvo. How much does it cost for y'all Blue Ribbon to teach me? And we'll go to the website, blueribbonlogistics.com. There's BCO Mentoring, you, and it tells all about the mentoring program and how it works. Um, you've got a paid-for truck. You're in good shape. I'd like to be able to take vacation when I want, not work holidays. Well, you can do that when you have a sustainable business. Um, you know, Again, it's starting a business is like having a baby. You know, it, it demands 100% of your attention for a while until it's healthy enough to stand on its own. Um, and then, you know, you can be like Larry uh, at his grandchildren whenever he wants to be there um, making money while he sleeps. But he's worked 50 years to get there, right? So uh, here's one for you. Robbie97, how can I branch out to new things in business? That's a perfect question for Brandon. Uh, I think it depends on what you originally now have interest in, right? So what you generally have interest in is what would allow you to get the most education around it, right? But even with the education and the interest, the next issue would be what do the customers need? So like, for instance, I have a landscaping business here in Houston, so we use it like a little bit of, you know, a little, we give a little different scenario, right? So uh, everyone knows what cutting grass is. We're not inventing the wheel, just like trucking. It's not even in the wheel. Now, the issue is when I decided to have a landscape business, I thought to myself, what is the problem? What are the issues? What are people complaining about, first of all? So when we identified the service, one of the things that we talked about is I want to exceed people's expectations. Now, 
when you go to Pinterest and you see all this beautiful stuff with these pictures and all that, people don't understand that might cost $50,000 to make the yard look like that. So when they call us out, whether it's a project or whatever, we help them understand what it is, give them a fair right, and then we try to find something additionally to do that they not pay for. So that's the seed expectations. Now, besides that, what is the next problem with people that cut grass and landscaping? It's a communication issue a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I'm in Texas. People don't speak Spanish. So now my team, my assistants, they speak Spanish. So we're bilingual. So that way we can talk to the customer in the same language they're used to, convert the message, they get the expectation. Lastly, payments. People don't want to pay you a check, put it under rug. They can't find you cash. You're trying to figure out the logistics and all that. So we cut the grass. The foreman sends a picture to us. We look at the picture. We send a customer invoice. The customer pays the invoice. They never have to find anyone. So we have fixed every single problem that people normally complain about. And we do landscaping, cutting grass, maize, and the process is the same. You just sit back, communicate what you want. We get it done. The payment process is simple. Rinse and repeat. Now, I've had my landscaping business since 2016 as well. So I've gotten to the place of having the equipment, that didn't work, and I outsourced the entire business. So we have maids that we contract. We got crews that we do. We're doing Christmas lights right now. And so I love to serve people because when I was 15 years old, my brother forced me to cut grass, and I turned and I hated it so much that when I learned about business, I turned it into a business because at the end of the day, I can go do it. So this is a little narrative right here, right? So a lot of people complain about what do they need to do to start a business. They need money. They need money. They need money. I said, okay, we live in a phenomenal time currently where if you Google, just go to Google and look up, like, what do people that do Uber Eats make? You know, Uber drivers, stuff like that. If you live in a metropolitan city, the average driver, where they picking up food, dropping off your groceries, whatever it is, they make about $1,000 a week. Okay. The average American household makes $58,000 a year. After two people work, come home, take out the taxes, you're going to make about less than $800 a week. So you can go get your little Toyota Prius or whatever, some fuel economy, drive between 4 to 9 p.m. at night, drop off all the groceries or food or snacks, whatever you're going to do for a person, and then still work on your business from 7 to 4. So you have time to learn, but the most important component will be marketing. What do your customers need? Because if you can get customers at a phenomenal rate, you will be able to hire and you're always going to be in business. So the number one reason why small businesses fail in America is they cannot figure out how to get enough customers. Mm -hmm. Because you have people who know how to do the work. They're good at the work and they suck getting customers. So their business does not grow and flourish. So that's what I would say to answer that question. So something you know you're interested in, so you would desire to learn everything about it. Then something that there's a need that you are going to fix, a need. And then you got to get to the customer. So regardless of anything else, if you do that methodology, that's going to work for every single business that you can put your hands on. If the customer comes first, you will always have enough because then word of mouth, referrals will be an automatic thing. So through all your marketing, they're going to be sending you people to. It's very simple. Now, let me add a warning to that from something that I learned the hard way. In my, in my 20s, I always kept my vehicle looking sharp, all right? Always had it waxed, always had it detailed, always took real good care of it. And I saw uh, this dude in Columbus, Ohio, that did mobile auto detail. He would come to your house, and he would wash your car, wax it, you know, take care of it. And I thought, well, hey, what a great idea. 
That was a terrible idea. Um, number one, in West Virginia, when you tell people that you have a mobile auto detail, I think their first thought is you're going to chase them down the interstate with a water hose. I'm like, no, I'm going I'm to come to your house or to your business or whatever, and I'm going to wash your car, detail it there, right? Yes. Um, the, but what I didn't take into account is I liked doing my own. I hated doing other people's. Because, yes. listen, I don't know if y'all know this, but people are nasty, okay? There are some, there are some nasty, nasty, nasty people on this planet, okay? And, they're, and, they're, and their vehicle is their repository for all their nastiness, okay? So if you're going to do this, please make it something that you enjoy doing, something that you're you know naturally gifted or talented at, because that experience has scarred me so much that my vehicle gets washed like once a month. I went from the guy with the guy was sharp all the time to where my shit don't hardly ever get washed. Okay. Cause it scarred me for life. Right. So, you know, if landscaping, you know, well, yeah, if, listen, if you can get out there every single day, eight, 10 hours a day, and you can put up with the heat, you know, Lord, Hey, mercy Houston. Y- I mean, y'all, y'all got some, Y'all got the heat down there is serious, right? Y'all don't play around yeah, with the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's got to be something that you're kind of naturally talented at, something that's not too crazy for you to do. But it's, and I love Larry Wingett's um, exploit your uniqueness in the service of others. Whatever makes you different from the guy beside you. You know, this society is all about making everybody the same. Everybody got to be the same. Everybody's got to listen to the same music and talk the same thing, go to the same church. And whatever it is that makes you different, what makes you special, go take that and embrace it, um, uh, refine it, and put it into service for people, um, you know, and, and they'll pay you. Yeah, that's right. They will pay you. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have that, you done that, the service well? You you were recouped accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. I I was thinking, uh, I was saying the other day, you know, I got into this business in '97, and I was right on the tail end of the good old days. Mm-hmm. My first truck didn't have a Qualcomm or you know any of that kind of stuff in it. It was it was very very close to the old days where. Uh, pay phones, you know, you had to call on the pay phone to get your load. You had to write down every single little, little thing. Um, and I just don't think that people, there's this longing to go back. They want to, they want to repeal the motor carrier act of 1980. Uh, the very thing that makes what you and I do possible. Um, they want to repeal that because they've got this twisted nostalgia about the good old days. And I'm like, y'all, I lived that. It was horrible. It was absolutely (laughs) horrible. Um, No, no, y'all can take the good old days and shove them because they were not that good. Um, You know, but of course, again, it's, it's this, it's this, uh, you know, what's in it for me, Um, you know, and, and, and so they let these charlatans, these snakes, um, that want to make them believe that, uh, uh, oh well, you know, follow me, I'll, I'll fix all your problems. No, you won't. Correct. You're just a, you're just another crook. Correct. Anyway, 
almost almost fell off into the rabbit hole. I saved myself. Um, well, uh, what are we at here? We're an hour and a half. Um, so what else, what else about your business would you like for the people to know? And we'll start. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I almost forgot. I need to pay some bills right quick. Um, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Pittsburgh Power. Um, we have been customers of Pittsburgh Power for many, many, many years. Uh, we've been running OPS on our trucks uh, for even before Pittsburgh Power bought them. Um, uh, it's a product that we believe in. Um, all of the Pittsburgh Power stuff, their, their shop is amazing. They have, I actually sent them an ECM this week uh, that was not behaving correctly, and I'm going to have them work their magic on that. Um, we're stocking distributors of the Pittsburgh Power Fuel Born Catalyst. Uh, if you're coming through West Virginia, uh, you can you can pick that up, or we can ship it to you. Uh, you can find on our website the OPS uh, system. Um, and listen, if you want to know what's going on inside your engine, uh, it's very simple. Um, it's t- probably with the install twelve to fourteen hundred dollars to put an OPS on your truck. Filters down to five microns. You pull a sample. You, there's no question what's going on inside that motor. Um, it can save you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in repairs and thousands of dollars in oil changes because, as we've said many times, we have a Mercedes-Benz engine with 1.8 million miles, and it's only ever had four oil changes in its life. Um, so we'll let that stat speak for itself. Um, so if you have uh, if you have any needs for uh, products of Pittsburgh Power, uh, give them a call. Uh, Robbie Pittsburgh Power is a is they're a Cummins certified shop, uh, so they do everything. Uh, Cat Cummins, uh, they they do it all, and and they are they are fantastic. Um, and I don't just say that because they're sponsorship. They're 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 a fantastic shop. Bruce Mallinson uh, that owns it, uh, man, he's a diesel guy from way back in the day, and he's made sure that he's got the right people around him working for him uh, to take care of whatever your needs are. So. If you talk to Pittsburgh Power, let them know you heard about them on the Blue Ribbon Podcast, and we thank them for their service. So let's get back to my original question. Um, so you're dispatching, you're looking at brokering, you've got some trucks. What what What's next for you? Um, what's next? So we currently have a technology on our website, and we're making an app to go along with it. So we have what we call freight traffic. Freight traffic is a technology I created almost two years ago. It is what I it's what I kind of did in 2017 when I didn't know how to dispatch. And so what we do is we scrub the top three low boards in the industry and we compile a median price for every single state for hot shots and box trucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have that done that's on the website. So if somebody comes to the industry and says, Hey, you know, previously somebody might have started a box truck especially business and they run straight to Amazon. Now Amazon has pushed it back to six months. They need to be over the road for a period of time. So now this the technology is available for them to utilize, so you can utilize it yourself. Uh, we have one for dispatchers that have a dual option, and you can see it. So we update it every week. So you should have a new report every Sunday. So that's going to what you talk about, about trip planning, uh, knowing if you go from Texas and it's a dollar fifty from Texas, don't go to Colorado, don't go to Wyoming, you know, because the broker want to pay you two twenty five because they know they're running you to BMB, and it's going to be a desert when you get over there, and then you will come out for $0.80 cents a mile. So mm-hmm. we have that technology, and then we have an app that should be coming out pretty soon. The app guy kind of bailed on me at the last minute, but uh, we, we've been using it as our own company to help with the process of signing up here carriers, and so that's coming um, pretty soon. Hopefully, I can get it done next two months, and that will be available on the website, too. So if you are a dispatcher 
and you want to you know sign up a, a carrier fast that actually take about seven minutes to get everything sent back over to you and it'll be in your phone so that way there is no problems when you're trying to book freight because with the capacity being low so much competition in the market you don't have time to hang up with the broker call the carrier he missed the phone call you go back call the broker six minutes later look the load is gone mm-hmm. so you, we're kind of streamlining that process and then uh, we're also getting more um, I would say more uh, aggressive with our teaching. So we've been doing in-person training for 40 hours a week since 2020 to help dispatchers, you know, qualify, understand what they're getting themselves into. So then going into this next year, we're probably going to have like a monthly segmented type, um, I would say teaching, I would say for dispatchers. So in just the next month, uh, actually next Saturday, next Saturday we're doing, we have like a 10,000 engagement every month for dispatchers. So, you know, you have these people that make these courses and they're thinking that everybody and mom could be a dispatcher and yet people cannot figure out how to get a carrier. Mm-hmm. So the question is, where are carriers? Where are carriers? Where are carriers? Where can I find carriers? They're everywhere. The problem is, why do they want you? Mm-hmm. Right? So now we're going to answer that question. What value do you present to them? Now, when you understand the value and the service you need to create, now we're going to teach you how to engage at least 10,000 of them so you can get three to five, so you can actually have a business where you can work from home. And so for my owner operators, you know, if you're going to come out here and do this, even though he did all the warnings, I'm the same way. If you drive, somebody in your household, in your family, needs to dispatch. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, that is dispatch you. Then once you understand it's good, then you're in the truck. You should be soliciting other people when you're stopping on your 10-hour break. Hey, man, you need a good dispatcher? Come on over here so you're making money in the duality. Mm-hmm. Okay? So... Dispatch company making five, six hundred dollars a week, maybe nothing crazy. Then your dispatching is free because when your truck has a problem, this is not if. It is when, when your truck has a problem, do you have other money coming in? Mm-hmm. So I cannot understand for the life of me why people start a business and they solely focus on one singular aspect of income only. And so I give this scenario. If you went to Walmart, do does Walmart have one categorization? No. Tires diapers, food, TVs, all under one roof. So regardless of what you went to Walmart for, they're making money on you, right? So you got to have that same mindset and it comes to this thing right here. So because of that, we're going to get to that. So we're going to start doing certain isolated niche uh, dispatching classes. So let's say a wife, cousin, whoever, uncle, niece, nephew, doesn't matter. An owner-operator wants to know how to do their truck. Probably one weekend out of every month, we're going to start doing niche dispatch teaching because I do not think or believe that you can learn how to run a business and learn to trade in three hours on a Saturday. So I want you to come to me and you want to learn how to dispatch hot shop. I can do that for three or four hours. You want to learn box trucks. you got to come the next month because people need time to learn, consider, ask questions, and it's not going to happen in three hours on a Saturday. You want to know how to run a business and a trade and think you're going to be successful. So we have never done it. So I'm thinking about doing that additionally because people have been asking for the last three years. So that's what's coming next. We're also bringing on more. Uh, we probably have about another five to ten more owner-operators we're looking at bringing on before the end of the year because we have opportunities uh, on that side to bring on owner-ops. We dispatch for five equipment types. So we dispatch for flatbed, reefer, drive-in, box trucks, and hot shots. So we have stipulations. So if you reach out to us, do not think this is an automatic thing Somebody's going to reach out to you. We're going to talk to you, explain our philosophies and our methodology. And if we're a good fit, then we can try to make money together. If not, it's not going to work. I promise you. 
We say no to people every day, every day. No, if you don't have the right equipment, philosophy, load securement, good numbers. If you don't have it, we're not going to do it. Okay. That's, that's us in a, in, a, in a summation. Good deal. Well, man, I uh, I really appreciate you stepping in here. Uh, you've done a fantastic job. You guys need to be checking out his content on TikTok. Um, are you on Instagram and all that too? Yes. Okay. We're on Instagram with the same handle, just be dot the word logistics. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and also on LinkedIn and YouTube. We just did YouTube. I need to get more serious about it, but we're on YouTube as well. Okay. All same handle. Yeah, you guys check out his content. I mean, even if you're even if you're an owner operator and you're not looking for dispatch, he's got good information that can fill in little blanks that you need to know. You know, just like he was talking about with the was the eighteen books you read. You know, while you were laid up. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, truck drivers, all y'all got time to do is listen to books, right? So turn off the damn news. Okay, there ain't nothing on there for you to hear. All right, turn that garbage off. Turn off talk radio and get you some books. Um, do you have a list? You have a book list. You know, I need to make one, right? Yeah. Um, I would say right now, all my mentees that I've been dealing with as late, like when you heard me talk about it on the, on my on my live, I've been pretty much telling everyone either start a rich dad poor dad first. Oh yeah. To kind of challenge the way you think, right? Mm-hmm. Or right now, I've been telling people to research the E myth. So that book B and then E, you know, stand for entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and then myth. And then listen to these things. Take this in your spirit, because I think maybe six or seven have been reading it. No one's finished it, and all of them are calling me like, this got me so frustrated. I see the problems I'm having. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this thing the wrong way. So I think that book is really a blessing a lot of people's perspective to make you think bigger and more strategically. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing, and I think this was Zig Ziglar that said it years ago, that there's there's so many times you have to hear something it might have been 18 or whatever it was, right? There's a number. Um, you know, sometimes uh, listening is a skill, right? Yeah. Um, and I even found this with, like, fiction books, you know? Uh, I've got a few favorite series that I've listened to the whole series more than once. And the second oh, yeah. time, I'm like, man, I don't, even, I don't even remember that character. I don't remember that, you know? And so sometimes you got to listen to it a couple of times because the the great thing about books like that that get those creativity juices flowing is your mind will go off. You know, your mind get off the exit ramp and the book is still going. You're not listening at all, you know. So listen to a chapter, take it in, think about it, maybe listen to it again. Um, There's so many good books. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Dave Ramsey stuff. uh, Michael Gerber, um, uh, what's the what's the forty eight days to work you love? Uh, John Miller, um, okay. uh, QBQ, question behind the question. You ever read that one? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm going to check that. Uh, question behind the question is basically um, instead of asking who, what, or when is someone else going to do something, how and what can I do? Right. It turns, you know, it's all about personal mm. responsibility. Question behind the question. I mean, who moved my cheese? I mean, we, we absolutely need to make a list because people ask me all the time and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I got 300 that's books in my audible, you know? Yeah. That makes you a point because that's a book that you would describe myself. It's like who not how. Mm-hmm. So like, I like that book. Who not how, uh, the, the, the purple cow. There's a lot of like how to differentiate business, making the customer first. 
stuff like that. So yeah, we, we should, I should do that. That's a good idea. I'm gonna come up with it. Listen, I might read a hundred books by now. Let me let me let me let me tell you in 2020, leading up to what happened in 2020, I listened to two books. One was called Renegade History of the United States by um uh, uh gosh. Anyway, Renegade History of the United States. He was a he was like a, a history professor. And the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um that's a real, real, real bad combination leading into a global pandemic. Um, that's a, that's a, it just it just does not give you the right mindset to uh, you know sit down and do what you're told. Um, yeah. Thaddeus Russell, Renegade History of the United States by Thaddeus Russell and the Autobiography of Malcolm X, read by Lawrence Fishburne, by the way, which is fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. oh it's it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I had a whole lot of fu. I won't do what you tell me uh, throughout that whole uh, th- that whole experience. So anyway, um, yeah, you you need to put a book list together, and I'll put one together, and then we'll share them to each other. So, okay, I'm definitely do Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Uh, we should be back. Let me look at my calendar right quick. Uh, we should be back next Friday night. Uh, I've got orientation the next two days uh, with two new drivers, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, website, blueribbonlogistics.com. Somebody asked about, do you have a direct phone number you can call? No. Uh, we have 183 <laughs> episodes on YouTube. We have lots of TikTok content. And we have a website. Go there, and there's ways to set up an interview if you would like to talk to us. Uh, so with that, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Larry's in Chicago with his grand, grandchildren this weekend. With that, uh, wish you all the best. Everyone be safe, be careful, and uh, we will see you all next week.